Welcome to Close the Door and Come Here, a Game of Thrones and a Song of Ice and Fire podcast with heavy leanings towards Jamie and Brienne. I'm Eon, Eon Blue Negative on Tumblr. I'll be the mod tonight since Lady of Tarth hyphen post is on break right now. She's actually taking a little bit of a hunting trip with Tywin Lannister right now. Knew it. And she's, <laughs> yes, she's going to show him how to skin that deer. With her teeth. The right way. <laughs> with her teeth. You're right, Whitey. All right. And I think tonight we have our usual suspects. Our lovely Kama. She's back. Hi. Uh- I am. Uh, hi, this is Kama, and you can find me at Grammar Saves Lives on Tumblr. That Aussie Sheila, YD. Who? Oh, hi, this is YD. <laughs> uh, you can find me at Yellow Delaney on Tumblr. <laughs> Our lovely Chicky. Hi, this is Chicky. You can find me at Chickren on Tumblr. <laughs> <laughs> and I'd like to welcome a special new guest tonight. Our guest tonight is actually Chicky's sister, Jen. Hello. <laughs> Thanks for having me. Wait, you guys are related? <laughs> I, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we might be related. A little bit. That's what their parents tell us. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So we're covering season two, episode eight, The Prince of Winterfell. This is not a spoiler-free podcast. We spoil everything and Anything and everything in this. And then we usually giggle like 13-year-old virgin, virgins. <laughs> I would also like to... now, right? <laughs> yeah. Pretty much. And we, and, and we squawk like chickens. Apparently. Or chickies. Yeah. Oh. Uh, chickies, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I'd also like to throw out a blanket trigger warning for rape and depictions of violence. That Just got dark really out. fast. Yeah. <laughs> we're kind of all over the place. Like, we like to giggle. We also talk about rape and graphic violence. <laughs> Hopefully, not at the same time. Okay. All right, so let's get started, okay? So we're at Winterfell, and Yara Asha Greyjoy arrives at Winterfell with a small band of her ironborn. But instead of offering reinforcement, she offers the on advice. Winterfell is too far from the sea. They can successfully defend. They cannot dis- successfully defend it with so few few soldiers, and the North is raising, rising against them. She implores Theon to abandon the castle and return home with her, but he refuses to give up his prize. Mm, yeah, I've got to say, just to backtrack to the very beginning, I love how they shot the initial part of this with Asha on her horse, and she comes riding in, and then she's circling around Theon, who's kind of standing on the ground, And it's kind of like, you know, a vulture circling around a dying animal. That's what kind of struck me about that. And then she just... Yeah, looks so dumb. Doesn't he? just looks dumbstruck. He's like, oh, you're here? Kind of gormless. He doesn't know what's happening. Yeah, I just thought that was a really great entrance for Asha. Um, I'm sorry, I can't call her Yara. I just, I don't even know who Yeah, either. It's like, every time somebody says Yara, I'm like, who are you talking about? And then, oh, right. Right, right. Yep, yep. They renamed her. Yeah, it's such a, a cool power play that they had Asha do there. Mm-hmm. I kind of really like it. I like it too. What I also like about the scene is 
I kind of like, because I did just recently reread the chapter that this scene is, is adapted from. And it's funny because in the book, you sort of get a, a, a harsher Asher. She's a little bit harsher. You don't really get that little bit of sibling recognition that she gives to Theon, you know, like in the show, she's kind of saying, hey, don't die so far from the sea. You sort of get the impression that she really cares about him, you know, that despite the fact that there's always been this hostility and rivalry between them, she, she's, you know, he's her brother, their family, their Greyjoys, there's not that many of them left and she actually really does care what happens to him. You don't really get that impression so much in the books at this stage, so... You know, it is a bit of a divergence, but I actually really enjoyed it. And it is, to me, um, you know, actually true to to the relationship between Theon and Asher in the books and, and how Asher really regards Theon, you know. so Yeah, you just read it. That that whole baby story isn't in the books, right? No, no. it's not at all. It's no. not at all. But you know what? Like I said, I have no issue with it because it's more, it's more the Asher that we get sort of later on in the books and how she feels about Theon. She does actually care about him. So I think, you know, I think it did a service to her character there. I think it sort of helped flesh her out a little bit more earlier on. Well, and it yeah, kind I of keeps how badass Asha is. Like, that's one thing the show has kind of kept true to, is that mm-hmm. Asha is her own hero, which we all were worried they wouldn't do. So. <laughs> yeah, and how how good is Gemma Whelan as Asha? Like, I think, I really love her. I think she's one of the best casting choices they made. She really yeah. kind of brings Asha to life. Uh, she has um uh improv background. She's not mm-hmm. I mean, she doesn't have all that in the much in the way of credits, but she really she does pretty well with what they give her. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah, and she does I mean she does really great with not just the lighter aspects of Ash's personality, but also the the more vulnerable aspects that we do get a little hint of here. So yeah, I think she does a really, really incredible job with her. Especially considering mm. that she doesn't have that background. Hmm. Good deal. All right. <laughs> so we're moving on north of the wall. And Egret brings Jon Snow before the Lord of Bones, who orders him executed because he already has Corrin Halfhand and doesn't need two crows for questioning. Egret convinces him to spare Jon because of his Stark blood. Mm, how cool is uh, the Lord of Bones costume? I thought I did a really good job with that. At yeah, least it's not a yeah. cut. <laughs> <laughs> it's so creepy. Yeah, it is. yeah. So his nose is like, oh, it's yeah. Nasty. It doesn't yeah. look super comfortable. I have to say, there's just like a tiny no. little hole for his nose. I'm like, yeah, can he even it, breathe properly through that? Yeah, <laughs> it looks kind of painful. <laughs> Hey, he doesn't care about the pain. He loves it. Was yeah. Rattleshirt even in the last couple seasons? Um, no, but he's in. He's supposed so. to be in season five. We've got a shot of Rattleshirt mm. in the in the promo. Really? Oh, yeah. So we think well, that's the, awesome. the whole Mance Rattleshirt thing is happening. I think it's just Mance. That's kind of the feeling, I guess. Mm. <laughs> yeah, I don't think I they're think developing no that all that much. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I did, well, from stuff I've heard, I kind of get the impression that they're developing Mance a bit more this season, but we can, I guess we can talk about that a bit later. Mm-hmm. Okay, fine, right. we'll talk Any... about season two right now. <laughs> I have to, we have to. <laughs> I think they did a really good job in this scene of trying to continue to make um, Corrin an important figure. Um, the actor is really good at giving Corrin a lot of, like, gravitas and grounding mm-hmm. in the world, and, and you... And I, I think Harrington played it pretty well, yeah. like, like showing the deference to him, too. Well, and they do a good job of, like, setting up that Corrin is telling John that he needs to 
be like a spy and Corrin is like definitely being like setting up that you know you're going to have to kill me to make this believable mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. is good mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> alright uh-huh. any more any more thoughts on this scene I'm saving my fire for later <laughs> alright okay we're we're moving on to Rob's camp <laughs> oh god do we have to yeah I have things to say, but I will wait. (laughs) We all have things to say about this. (laughs) Okay. Okay, so Rob and Talissa are having a nice stroll through the woods, but are interrupted with news of of Jamie Lannister's escape. Rob is furious when he learns that his mother has freed his prized captive. He tells her that she has betrayed him and orders her kept under guard. Okay, so I've got to mention the commentary for this scene because the 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 commentary for this episode is Nikolai Costa-Moldau and Michelle Fairley. And give them one minute and they create magic together. Seriously, I want to quote the entire commentary. It is really, really hilarious. But they have this little exchange. Um, there's a little part where Rob um, tells Talisa that, you know, they'll never be safe until the Lannisters are defeated. And Michelle says, that's your family, Nikolai. Nasty. And he says, yes, but they're so much more fun. And Michelle replies, everything's incest. We have morals up in the north. So. <laughs> that commentary was gold. It was the, probably the best. Well, good. my favorite was, commentary. Yeah. yeah. So um, I have some issues with this scene. Um, I particularly have issues with the fact that Mark, or I'm sorry, that Rob seems... Um, unable to articulate what the um, Frey Alliance is bringing him. Um, It's not just the bridge. It's Frey's (laughs) men. It's support in a region where his grandfather and his uncles are pretty much in the middle of a giant war zone. Um, And they're going to need all the help they can get. And he's got these sisters that he he never seems to mention that are out there. I thought they were fighting for them too, not just because... His dad got killed. And I can't stand her. I, every time that woman is on the screen, I just, I want to, like, just hit her. Really? <laughs> I don't mind her. I, I like her. I, I, all right. She is from Volantis. We learn later on in this episode, she is comparatively well-born. She's certainly well-traveled because she's gone the length and breadth of Essos to get to um, Westeros. She doesn't have a basic understanding of how these marriages and alliances work out. I I mean, her pacifism, her whole outlook, she is so out of place to me. She is so jarring to me. She does not fit. Mm, this is what my, true, my problem yeah. is. I don't believe I in her. It, like I, it, it just drives me crazy. Hmm. Sorry, that's all I have to say. No, that's a good point because it's right. It if she was point. a highborn, she would have known about alliance marriages. <sighs> if only Talisa had been a spy, then we all would have had it all. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it would have been so, so much theory, better. You know? <laughs> I would have actually been able to stay awake during Robin Talisa's yeah. scenes. <laughs> yeah, it's just a boring scene, is what it like. What you, what purpose does it serve? Because you're right, it doesn't really establish why they needed the phrase. Mm-hmm. So what? Oh, it's just exposition because they know they're going to do the marriage at the end of the season. That's yeah. all it is. Yeah, that's all. Mm-hmm. But I, and a I think coffee. it makes him stupid. I mean, <laughs> well, Rob is kind of dumb. All right, even even though I thought he was kind of a nitwit in the books, I mean, he's younger, so you know, not clearly, he doesn't have the benefit of wisdom. Um, he is definitely thinking with his dick here and in the books. 
But the plot in the books, I could almost see why he would think that marrying Jane Westerling was the way to go. Here, mm-hmm. it's like, you know, and then he's screaming a bloody murder about his mother, but it's it's like, oh, I, it doesn't make logical or emotional sense to me at all. Well, well the difference <laughs> is that they've removed the fact that, that in the books, Rob doesn't mean to sleep with Jane. You know, it's mm-hmm. just something that happens right. in a really... Well, it's not just. Well, no, it's more in a vulnerable moment. Yeah, Yeah, I mean, what happens in the books is um, Rob has actually been wounded at the crag. He's also just received word of his brother's death, and he's Jane is nursing nursing him back to health. Right, so it's really he's in this vulnerable position. I understand giving into temptation there, but also what they've done is is. In the books, Rob ends up marrying Jane for the purpose of honour, to sort of retain her honour. Um, yeah. What they've done here is they've changed it into a love story. Rob is actually doing all of this for love, um, which, you know, I have no issues with love stories. I just have an issue with this love story because, for me, it doesn't really work. It never really captured my attention, not for the long term. I don't find there's a huge amount of chemistry between the two. There is some, but... Yeah, I think if you're going to go for a love story, if you're going to change it into a love story, you really need to have a really strong chemistry between two actors and make it logical, make it work. For me, yeah, yeah, just not a huge fan. Yeah, I think that's it. I think if the romance had been better, this may have all gone differently, but it really wasn't a very, you know, compelling romance. And they had, like you said, a friendly chemistry, but not a sexual chemistry. Mm. Yeah, no, I agree. Okay, well, we're going to jump over to Jamie and Brienne scene. Yay! Yay! Oh my god, it's so good to be able to say things like that. All right, we find out that Catelyn has sent Brienne to escort Jamie to King's Landing to exchange him for her daughters Sansa and Arya. Brienne uses the canoe to evade, evade pursuit from Stark's men. Thus begins Jamie and Brienne's road trip from hell. Okay, so I I do have to say I appreciate so much how the show just jumps straight into Jamie just totally yeah, laying into Brienne. It's mm-hmm. so good. It is. Mm-hmm. It, it is. makes it clear that that is their intent to like lay that groundwork right. Like off the just beginning. right off the bat, it's like they're antagonistic, yeah. and you're like, oh my goodness, what is happening here? <laughs> like it's so good. Yeah. Yep. You yeah. couldn't ask for a better intro for the ship, at least. I, I totally agree, and I remember because I actually hadn't read the books until uh, season three. So for me, I just remember loving them from the very beginning. Like I, I think they just yeah, it was such a great introduction. These two have amazing chemistry. Speaking of chemistry between two actors, um, and I, oh, isn't oh, it, so you much. know what's interesting is how much better Gwen's acting gets when she's. I mean, That's I know you, you know when she's acting against Nikolai, it's clear they cast her because. Of her chemistry with Nikolai, yeah. you know? And boy, were they right to do so, because clearly they're onto a winner with these guys. They um, didn't, though. They didn't even meet until after she was already on set. Seriously? Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, you know, the story is that... Um, this is such a great story. Yeah, she, she, they were on set together. I don't even know if they were actually in a scene together, but she heard he was there, and she knew that they were going to have scenes, and that they were a big deal. Oh, shit, I know this story, too. This, Sorry, yeah, go on. This is during season two. <laughs> And so she goes to his trailer to meet him, and he's, like, having makeup put on or something. And he, of course, um, is apparently a method actor, and so mm-hmm. he, he was very rude to her yeah. when she yeah. went to meet him so that he could lay the groundwork for their chemistry. Nikolai, I think, you can, I think you owe all the chemistry to him. Yeah, I think you do. 
<laughs> well, yeah, I mean, good job because it clearly works. Um, but yeah, I was, you know, for me, there were two things that really stood out for me in this scene, and it's pretty much just building on what um, Jen and Chicky were saying. The show really gets that initial dynamic between Jamie and Brienne right. You know, like for him, he's really, you can tell he's intrigued by her. Uh, by the way she looks, and he's also irritated with him, and she just kind of loathes him. And with Jamie, as soon as a bag comes off his head, he kind of gives her that look up and down and then insults her. You know, you're much uglier in daylight. And we've talked about this before, you know. In the book, Jamie is initially, just from the very beginning, so intrigued by Brienne and and her body and her physicality, you know. It's kind of this compulsion Um, and, you know, Jamie being Jamie, of course, knows how to needle away at her to provoke her. Um, and then, you know, Brienne, you know, she obviously just loathes him at first glance. And, and that, I guess, is because, you know, his reputation precedes him. She says to him, uh, what did she say? You've harmed others. You've harmed those you've sworn to protect. So we all know to Brienne, you know, breaking a vow is probably the worst thing that a knight can do or anyone can do. So, of course, yeah, she thinks yeah. she has Jamie all figured out. Um, you know, well, and in the of... books, she's fresh off listening to everything that he says to, right, Catelyn, to Catelyn in the Riverwood yes. dungeons, and mm-hmm. so she's heard all of his like horrible confessions, and some of these things yeah. that have been rumors have suddenly become true. Like well, the fact dis- that he's yeah. Cersei's lover. Dishonor is such a big issue with Brienne. Like all she cares about is her honor, or not all she cares about, but it's like it's a big thing for her. So for him to be so dishonorable, like that's automatically mm-hmm. going to put them on opposite sides of. Absolutely, yeah. It's kind of like this cornucopia of like misunderstanding and hostility, which obviously we all very much enjoy because we are on Mm. this ship. Um, The second thing I absolutely love about this scene is how uh, the writers and Nikolai really get Jamie right. As as in, you go back to the books and in Jamie's first few chapters, remember how happy he is? Like he's just so happy to be mm-hmm. out of his dungeon. He's drunk on sunlight. He's thinking of Cersei's fingers <laughs> running through his hair. He's making quips and he's just being generally super upbeat and bouncy. And I think Nick and the writers really capture that sense of high spiritedness incredibly well here. And you know, I think that's important to capture at this stage because then, you know, as we go a bit along, we've got that huge, you know, darkness that comes later post-hand shop. So it's kind of uh, setting up for the contrast, I guess, between super happy, fun Jamie here and then mm-hmm. super sad, dark Jamie a few a few episodes later. I just think it's a really well done scene all around. Like, the chemistry is amazing. The characters are spot on. The actors are fantastic. There's nothing bad I can say about it. She's improved leaps and bounds by the time this scene happens. I also mm-hmm. kind of wondered, if I remember correctly in the commentary, he said that bit with the boat, she hadn't done that before, or she'd only done it once or something. She'd done it once the evening before, and she hadn't been wearing her armor. So she so she had to... Yeah, she get... didn't really have the balance right, and there were mm. moments during filming, Nikolai says, that he was worried that she would actually tip them over and she'd go down in her armor, and you know he, he was worried about that, that she'd stay down. I was kind of thinking, I, I don't... I wonder almost if the the demands, the physical demands of that particular scene, if that helped make her a little less stiff or I don't know, but she's really good in here. Um, much I better than Nikolai. her first. I think it's Nikolai too. You think? As I said before, and, I think she does her absolute best acting opposite Nikolai. Yeah, and the writing's does. good. 
I mean, as much as I'm going, and I, I have things to say later, um, but right now, the scene was beautifully written, I thought. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm. No, it's just like I said, it's like the perfect beginning for their journey that they're about to go through. Like, it sets up who they are as people so perfectly. Yeah. It's what every ship wants. In a, in a really, <laughs> it really quick really scene, is. too. It's a really yeah, short it's scene. A really short it is scene. a very they brief really well scene. They did yeah. very well with the time they had. That was a really good scene, and it makes me happy. Mm-hmm. All right. Just like Jamie, drunk on sunlight. Yes. I mean, guys, All it's right, been we... 84 years. We had to wait this long to talk <laughs> oh, about <God>. it. <laughs> I seriously, when Ian said, let's, let's move on to Jamie and Brienne, I just had this really deep sigh of relief. <laughs> yes. All right, let's go. Let's jump over to Heron Hall. Tywin is torn between needing to defend King's Landing and wanting to drive Robb Stark from the Westerlands. He decides to march west, leaving Arya at Harrenhal to serve his new Castilian, Sir Gregor Clegane. Arya frantically searches for Yakin Hagar in hopes of giving him Tywin's name. Yeah, it's so good. This is like a big scene for Arya Gendry shippers too because Arya's mm-hmm. like, I need him. And Gendry's like, you need him? <laughs> he's just <totally> <laughs> you think he's offended that she doesn't need yeah, him? He's, like, yeah. <laughs> he's just like completely outraged. He's like, what do you mean? You don't need me? <laughs> like, It's so good. And so, then Hot Pie. Does anyone else miss Hot Pie? Like, he's such great comedic yeah. relief. Well, clearly they miss him because they bring him back at every opportunity. I was going to say, he got to yeah. hang out with Brienne a little bit last season. Yeah, yeah and Maisie have... actually like hangs out with that guy all the time, so I think they actually really do miss him. Oh, that's cute. Yeah. Yeah, I've got to say, um, in the commentary, Comma and Michelle Fairley, I think, would be best friends because Michelle tells this little story of how she worked with Charles Dance back in the 80s mm-hmm. and how she found him just so lovely and so tall and he was wearing a dark suit and he just looked <laughs> so sexy. And I was like, mm-hmm. Comma? <laughs> <laughs> I would think that's um oh I can't think of the guy. It, she plays a, a like a charwoman or something. I think I know the movie. Oh yeah, she said she played a relatively bit part, I think. Yeah, I I want to say it's Hidden maybe not Hidden City. It's something like Yeah, I think it is. It's Hidden City. I love that Common knows this straight off the bat. She's oh, like, it's yep. a really good movie. Um but anyhow, um, I just, it's a Stephen Polikoff film. Yeah. Okay. Um, I have one thing to say here. I listened last week. I would like to know, where's Grandpa Tywin now? I don't know, but I, I don't know, but I, don't, I do not miss Arya him. in the care of the mountain, albeit the most unimpressive of all the actors playing the mountain. Oh, but oh, still. Yeah. She was oh, literally just saying that she was like the worst mountain ever. Worst mountain ever. <laughs> but... He's not making, I mean, he's like, oh, yeah, she can stay here. Where's Grandpa Tywin now? That's all I'm saying. I'm just, I don't think that <laughs> negates all the Grandpappy Tywin we got earlier. I never. I was never arguing that he cares about her. I think this is Grandpappy Tywin, though, because he actually, like, points her out by name and basically is telling the mountain, I want to make sure she's yeah, alive. Yeah, and he tells Arya, he's like, make sure that he doesn't get drunk every night. Yeah, but I, I, the, I think he singles so her out she, as important more than anything. He's he's yeah. leaving the care of this psychopathic killer in the care of a small child. Yeah. But, well, but yeah. this is the least intimidating Gregor Clegane that they have. <laughs> This isn't a show in which there are multiple Gregor Kleins. This is still the guy who brutally raped and murdered Elia, who 
helped kill her children, who's this psychopathic whack job. I mean, yeah, but Tyler would see Arya as dead weight. Like, he wouldn't take Arya with him. Yeah, Tywin well, never I catches on that it's Arya is his is the, their show's like biggest plot hole because like mm-hmm. Tywin would have known that she was a Stark like her like D and D are so dumb for not for yeah. thinking. I mean, they the fact that they it. went so far as to indicate that he knew that she was highborn but couldn't right. die. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> oh god. And this is just like a big scene for Arya too because you have this moment where she realizes. And this isn't in the books, obviously, but it, she has this moment in the show where she's like, oh, I could actually have him kill Tywin and I could do some good for my brother. Mm-hmm. So it's a great character development for Arya mm-hmm. Stark fans. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Any more thoughts on this scene? Oh, I oh. guess it's a replacement for her setting the Northmen free, then. Yeah, no, that's basically. what it is. Yeah, uh, it's that's like, so... it's like weasel soup. The weasel yeah, that didn't got do cut, that. and so she found mm-hmm. a way. To, they found a way to say, like, "Oh no, she really was still thinking about a way to help Rob, and she really is still a Stark and trying to protect the North, basically Winterfell." Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I guess I got to give them that. But I was wondering, why do you think they cut the weasel soup? Do you think it was just more for streamlining Arya's storyline? Do you think that maybe it was they thought it was perhaps well, too, too dark for a child actor. I the theory as uh, like uh, like the Arya Stark theory on this is that they didn't want her. Okay, so by cutting the Weasel Soup storyline, they could do what they did at the end of this episode, which is you know that Jockin basically gets them out because in the mm-hmm. books Arya gets them out. Arya mm-hmm. does her first intentional kill, and so I think as the show they were like, okay, we're gonna save that for the next season. We're gonna wait. And, like, not make her go as dark as she can go until she's a little bit older. I think that's... I think that's true. And I think that it would have been perhaps a little bit inconsistent with Arya's current character in the show had they gone that route of having her kill or make her first intentional kill. Because, I mean, the Harrenhal... The Arya in Harrenhal in the books is a lot darker than the Arya in Harrenhal in the show. I mean, she is subjected to a lot of abuse there. You know, there's all this rape and violence and and a lot of bad stuff happening there. It's Well, and the name Weasel comes from that little girl who can't speak anymore because of what she's been through. Yeah. So, I mean, and she takes that identity on and they weren't going to go there. So, right. And I do think Mm -hmm. perhaps they thought that was maybe just a little bit too dark, maybe keeping in mind Maisie's age. I'm not sure, but yeah, it's hard to tell. So yeah, I think that having, having Aria intentionally kill someone at this stage, they may have wanted to, they may have thought. It was probably wise in the long run. It was probably a wise decision to like get more people on Aria's side as she like goes a little bit darker, mm-hmm. but yeah, it may have also yeah. been money because now <laughs> yeah. did, I mean, money. like you throw these guys up and they're dead. Yeah, you have makeup and all that, but if you're throwing boiling hot soup at people, now you've got to get stunt people involved and all this other stuff. It's probably too much setup for them. That's true too. Mm-hmm. All right, we're gonna jump north of the wall again just for a tiny little scene where. Corrin Halfin initiates a plan to install John as a spy within the Wildling ranks. You know, it struck me as kind of stupid for the Wildlings to put John and Corrin together. Like, they put them together so they could plot. That seemed like a good idea. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. The Wildlings weren't thinking about strategy, I guess. Uh, yeah, they're probably not so much. Anyway, but yeah. I love, I love that this shows that, like, John is beginning to, like, catch, like, you know, I'm, like, a huge. John Snow fan so like I love that it's beginning to show that John is beginning to catch on that like by not killing and grit he his people died and he's gonna have to make the hard choice like it's 
it's a great build to where he'll be like especially in season five with mm-hmm. the LC Lord Commanders. Mm-hmm. Mm. Okay. Any more thoughts on this little bitty scene? <laughs> Corn Picard bores the hell out of me, so <laughs> That's right, Comma hates the actor who plays Corrin, right? You, you know, don't think he's good. I don't hate what him. I just if I hated him I'd have something to say. It's more right. I'm bored by all of it's this. Tedium. I, it's and also yeah. I, yeah. I'm not a Jon Snow fan, so it's good that we have Jen on here to to speak the other side of it. Comma, you're on a podcast right now with all Jon Snow fans, except you, I think. I'm a diehard Jon Snow fan. I'll defend him until I die. That's cool. (laughs) It's okay, Jen, we all love Jon Snow except Comma. I don't know that Lot loves him, but yeah. She's not here. (laughs) Somewhere a shiver just ran down Lot's spine. (laughs) (laughs) All right, we're going to jump over to King's Landing now. Um, we learned that Braun is too cool for a gold cloak. And Tyrion scores history books seeking inspiration for his plans to defend the city from Stannis. Stannis' imminent siege. He takes advice from Braun and decides to make use of the wildfire supply. Okay, so is I this like- D&D making fun of um, George's... Poor phonetics. Yes, that is exactly what it is. <laughs> is it is it absolutely is? what it is because <laughs> because George's phonetics is terrible. Yeah, no, oh, like terrible. he's still saying Cersei. Like, yeah, yeah. Nobody says it that way. <laughs> yeah, no, this was this was a this was this was a fair jab at George. That's what they were doing. <laughs> George needed that jab. He did. But I other really than like that, Ron is Ron. He's really good. Yeah, they are all. I've got to say that I could just watch an entire show of probably Tyrion and Bronn and and Varys as well. I just want to see them all hang out. They're great. They Mm -hmm. they have like a great group chemistry too. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. And I love Mm -hmm. I love how Varys just comes in and he's like, "Uh, let's just really talk about this because I don't want to (laughs) die. Like Varys basically (laughs) moves them into he moves Tyrion into a place where they can possibly win. Okay. Um. Any more thoughts on this little scene? Nope. Alrighty. Alright, we're gonna move on to to see Grin, Sam, and Dolores said. Um, they discover a cache of dragon glass and also this mysterious looking horn mm. at the fist of the first men. And John's absence has been noted, but Sam refuses to believe that he is dead. So apparently there was some concern when this uh, scene initially aired that it wasn't John who found uh, the uh, dragon glass like like it happens in the books. There was apparently um, a lot of uh, furor on the internet about John's character development up until this point after he uh, goes north of the wall. I don't know if you guys and you, Jen, particularly are aware of that, but there were a lot of people online saying how the writers yeah. have kind of taken away so much awesome from John, you know, rather than having Corin choose John to go with him in his arranging party, John actually begged him to go or asked him to go. And, you know, the whole thing with John and Egret letting her escape rather than letting her go on purpose and then getting lost and then getting captured. Apparently a lot of people didn't, they thought that yeah. that was sort of weakening John's character. There was a really? lot, there was a lot of backlash about it, but, I think what D&D has done is in the later seasons reestablish his character development. Mm-hmm. But I think, I mean, having Sam discover the, the dragon's glass was smart because 
Sam of all people would know exactly what it is the minute he saw mm-hmm. it. Like, so it's like if there's, I there was a lot about John's development that I didn't agree with that the show did, but that was one thing that was like, well, yeah, no, Sam should do it, and I love that like Sam is totally like standing John. He's like, no, John wouldn't die. He's he's got a valerian I love that. Like, mm-hmm. He's safe, you know. Like I love that they're could they Bruce continue Perry. to establish. The, the, well, they're the, lampshading that he's the, the hero, yeah. that he's the tropiest yeah. trope that yeah. ever troped. I mean, he's got the Valyrian steel sword. Oh. He, can do this. he is. I'm not saying that it's a bad thing. It's not. Tropes are not inherently bad. But I, I think it's good that he's not... You can't have him be a Marty Stew. I mean, that well, is not. just deadly. And I think giving this little thing to Sam is a good mm. way... Of providing the exposition. I mean, we're not going to have all the. They had several bits in the books about this cache of the dragon glass and the horn, etc. So, I mean, I I agree with the decision to give it to Sam too. I think it's a smart yeah, move. No, yeah, yeah, so do I. I have I no issue be- with it. I mean, I think Sam, Sam ends up with some anyway, so it's where yeah. it needs to be. It's just funny that they set up the dragon glass in season two. Like, that's really telling for where we're going to go in season five and six and seven or however many seasons they go. Because it's like to establish that in season two that they have this cache of dragon glass and it's obsidian and it's important. And then to later have Sam be the slayer that he is or whatever. Like, Mm -hmm. that tells a lot about the direction of where the show is going and how important that dragon glass is going to be. And how important the Valyrian still still is going to be because to have Sam mention it in the same scene where they find the obsidian... So it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. maybe, yeah, maybe we need the Valyrian steel to kill whites too. And whatever else is out there. Now they don't do anything with the horn though, right? They just show it. No, they yeah, I forgot that it. they showed the horn though. Yeah. They show a horn. Yeah, they do, but they don't, they don't really, they don't discuss talk it. about it or no. discuss it or, but that's something they could always throw into like a previously on if it became important. Yeah, probably not. Yeah, it probably no one did. Well, it could yeah. be. I mean, that's the other thing. It's not. It that could be just. You know, we think it's important on the books, and it turns out no, it's not really. Yeah, no, that's true too. Mm. All right. Do we have any more comments nope. about the scene? I nope. We're good. Good. All right. We're gonna move on back to Heron Hall. All right, so realizing that she has missed the chance to kill Tywin, Arya pressures Joaquin Hagar into aiding her escape from Harrenhal. She forces him to help her by giving him his own name as the third death he promised. She will only revoke his name when he agrees to break her and her friends out of Harrenhal. (laughs) Sorry, I've got to say the best line in this scene is, a man has patrol duty. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's the best use, the best use of Jack and talking about himself in the third person ever. Oh, it's so good because then they have Arya fall into talking about herself in the third person. So yeah. they're just going back and forth in third person. I am so excited for season five that he's coming back because we'll get more of that oh, interaction too, of like the too. third person talking. Talk yeah. about good chemistry. Oh, yeah. Oh, no. I'm telling you, I once read a fic where, like, in the future, Arya and no. Jock and Agar oh, get together. Oh, no. And, like, by Jen, the end get of out. Like, I get out. I could no. ship it. <laughs> get out, Jen. Oh, God. If she was aged up to something a little more or a lot more appropriate, I could ship it, too. That does not surprise me. That's just a thick, like, age around. I was like, yep, I can oh, see God. it. Let's go I've there. I've got to say, speaking, <laughs> of, <laughs> sp- 
Speaking of the chemistry between Arya and Jacken, I think Maisie Williams has chemistry with every single person that she acts against. She, she does. does. She's, she's so, so good. good. She's amazing. I wish she hated Arya less. That would make me happier. <laughs> oh, she's, <laughs> like she's Every time young. she does an interview, I'm like, why yeah. do you love your character? <laughs> Oh. But yeah, no, it's a great um, scene, and like the way, the way Jockin uh, and the way they play it, and how Arya sudden suddenly realizes like she might have control over him by naming him, like it it establishes that Arya is smart, and Arya does know like how to strategize to keep herself safe. I mean, mm-hmm. not that that wasn't already established, but it just reestablishes yeah. it. And that was straight. Book. That was out of the books too. She does name him. Yeah, him she does. Yeah. Yeah. Well, she names him, but that's the weasel soup thing. So it's like. Uh-huh. On the one hand, like, I get what they did where they wanted to take her first intentional kill and move it till she was a little bit older. But on the other hand, it's like, it kind of sucks for her development that they take that away from her, that she found her own escape from Hall. You know, like, she found her own mm. way to get by. Well, and it's also, like, a really big moment for Gendry and Hot Pie because she go- in the books, she goes to them and she's like, I'm escaping tonight. She's like, Hot Pie, get food. And Gendry get, like, yeah. swords. I think she puts Gendry in charge of horses, too, or something. And... She, like, the whole day is preparing for this, and she keeps thinking they're not going to show up. So, like, when they do show up, she's like, oh, good, I still have my pack. So mm-hmm. to, like, take that away is kind of sad. But I, I get they couldn't really show that on the show. The weasel soup mm-hmm. thing actually happens quite a bit before, because that's yeah. how she ends up being Roose Bolton's cupbearer. Yeah, yeah because she does the Lannisters are control. She does the weasel soup thing that enables the men to whatever. And when Roose Bolton finds out, he want, of course, yeah. he would like this. He wants to meet her, whatever, and then she becomes a cupbearer. The escape happens later. Mm-hmm. But yeah. well, and yeah. that's a fault, George's too. That like in in the books, canonically, Roose wouldn't have noticed a Stark. Like Roose having yeah. lived in the north his whole life, yeah. and like he would have known Lyanna. And it, and the books go out of far their way. Far more than Tywin would, I might add. Yeah, too. far more than Tywin would have. And so for Roose to not recognize he had a Stark in his midst just tells you how dumb Roose is, <laughs> and probably well, or that. Or that Martin didn't think ahead that far. I mean, yeah. Oh, that could be it too, I guess. Yeah. That's true. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. I think we're going to jump to King's Landing right now. Um, dinner with Xerxes and Tyrion. And Xerxes worried about letting Joffrey fight in this upcoming battle against Stannis. She tries to ensure his safety by kidnapping the prostitute Ross, believing that she is Tyrion's lover. Tyrion is relieved that Shay is safe, but vows revenge against his sister. Oh, hello, book Cersei. I've missed you. This scene is so quintessential Cersei for me. You know, she's thinking she's so clever with her revenge plan, (laughs) finding out that Tyrion has a whore who he loves, and then she takes the wrong whore. Um, This is Cersei. This, yeah, she is. She is, and this is so book Cersei. You know, she she does think she's so much cleverer than she actually is. and the other thing that's book Cersei is obviously the fact that she has an innocent woman severely beaten to serve her own purposes. Um, <laughs> you know, I mean, we've been talking, Jen, a lot in the last few weeks, particularly about the show's, uh, I guess, characterization of Cersei and how they've really softened her character and taken away a lot of what makes Cersei Cersei. They've sort of taken away a lot of her narcissism and her venom. So to have this scene in this episode was really great for me i really really yeah, like no, this scene perfect 
And like Tyrion's reaction where he realizes just how not smart she is, like he and he talks about what is the line he uses? Oh, that she has a certain a low certain cunning. a certain yes. low cunning. Like that's exactly what it is. It's not that Cersei's dumb. It's just that Cersei's mm-hmm. ego gets in the way of her ever being really a true game player. Yeah. And I mean, like that scene is just so. I was like laughing about it because it's and and the way that Lena Headey played it, where she was just like, I've got the right one. Like, She's so, so great. I love I Lena. I think I do too. Uh, you know, despite everything that I don't enjoy about the adaptation of Cersei for the show, I I think Lena can't do anything wrong. With, like I, I really, I I think she's really really talented and yeah, she does. And I really... love listening to her commentary every year. Like her commentary is always oh, really funny. She just her... is so like down to earth. It's like great. Her commentary for uh, season the season four episode was the saving grace of that episode. <laughs> Having to rewatch that episode, yeah, she's she's just really really funny, and yeah, as you say, she does seem mm. very grounded and just like an all around really lovely yeah. person. Yeah, mm. it's funny that they completely removed the whole Tommen thing from this, though. They did take away a little bit of Cersei's motivation. It's funny they have her be so book Cersei in a take moment. Away yeah. The motivation. yeah, and about yeah. Joffrey, I'm like. Okay, he's king. He's like 16 years old. You know, where does she think his place is? <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, and I feel like, I, I don't know, I feel like she, uh, yeah, Cersei's just so dumb to not realize that the king would need to be out there fighting with their pe- I, I, uh, Cersei just, it, it's a little weird. Cersei but... thinks she's got it all figured out and she has nothing figured out. My favorite thing from what is it in dance when Littlefinger was like, even I couldn't predict how fast King's Landing would fall apart under Cersei's yeah. rule. Oh, like, gosh. Like, like, even Littlefinger's like, I could never have predicted how quickly this would happen. <laughs> like, it's so yeah. It's like, if you've got Littlefinger recognizing that, you know that it's a problem. Exactly. If Littlefinger's like, this is dumb, like, good. <laughs> <laughs> oh god, it's so true. Oh wow. <laughs> Alright. Alright, we're gonna jump back to Rob's camp. Um Rob plans to relieve Winterfell by turning Theon's men against him with an offer of mercy, issuing his orders. Wait a to minute, wait a minute. I think Dreadford. we just tip we just skipped Tyrion and Shay. Which Didn't is we? so spectacularly bad that I oh, really oh, it's my favorite scene. <laughs> <laughs> I knew that Jen had to say something oh. about this scene, so I was like, yep, we're going to do okay, this yeah. one. All right, go ahead, go ahead. <laughs> it's just, I love how he goes and he's just like, you're beautiful. Poor Peter Dinklage, he tries so oh, hard. Oh, yeah, it's like he's like, oh, I'll likely have to kill for you before all this is over. It's like, we get it, Tyrion. Kill her someday. Wow, Jen, that's actually a perfect imitation of his accent. <laughs> a horrible British accent. Yeah, I'm sure it is. You're beautiful. The first thing I said to Chicky when I like got over here, I was like, I was like, this seat is terrible. Like, why aren't we all laughing about it forever? <laughs> it's not even his accent; it's the delivery, and it's she's all about. Like, she has no clue what the hell he's talking about, and I'm like, he's so bad, and he's so on point in all of his other scenes. I'm like, what were you? What happened here? Because it's just god awful. It's got to be that he just didn't buy the scene. Yeah. I think we've noticed this with him, right? When yes. he buy the yeah. scene, he just doesn't he can't play it very it. well. Yeah. yeah, it's like that scene that we had back in the Eerie, um, where he's you know giving the whole story about the 
<laughs> what was it? This the soup and she, all the bad stuff that he's done. Looking his heel, That's as it were. The one, yeah. And uh, mm. I think I recall in the commentary, Peter was actually saying he wasn't entirely sure about his motivation for that scene, and I think that did translate to the way that he played it. And I think Chicky's spot on. I think that when Peter doesn't buy a scene or when he's not entirely sure of why he's doing something, that's when the acting and the accent... No, the accent's always bad. That's when the ac- That's when the acting slips, I think. <laughs> the accent is always bad. And it's like... I, like, you think about season You're four... You're beautiful, Jen! And it's like, are you even ever going to try to get better? Or is this just the status quo? It's like Kevin I don't. <laughs> That's exactly what it is. Oh, oh, thank God Robin Hood had Christian Slater. And Ellen Rickman. Kidding. Wait, what's this podcast about again? <laughs> <laughs> now we can go back to Rob. Yes, let's do it. Do we have to? <laughs> All right. Rob plans to relieve Winterfell by turning Theon's men against him with an offer of mercy, issuing his orders to the bastard of the Dreadford through Roose Bolton. And Rob seeks solace in the arms of Talissa. Bring his betrothal to House Frey. Bow chicka wow wow. (laughs) Oh my god, this scene. All I think about is commentary about this scene and I just laugh forever like barely going back and forth about this scene was so good and so it's like I was watching it I'm like I can't even take this seriously because I know what's coming it's like literally I have almost transcribed the entire commentary in my notes because it is that good I'm not going to read it all but seriously like there's this one part I was re-watching the commentary last night and there's this one part where I just totally lost it I had to pause I was laughing so hard and that is when Talisa says to Rob, I was raised to be a proper little lady, and Nicola says, Oh, but you're not, are you? <laughs> just like, <laughs> and then all the king in the north. <laughs> was that his first time? Oh, I think it was. Yeah, and then, and then no, but they fall to the floor and stop moving. And Nicola's like, oh, I guess it was a short one. And Michelle says, no, no, I think he's taking a pause to look at how beautiful she is. And Nicola's like, nope, no, that was it. <laughs> and, and then we've got Michelle going, it's not, Nicola, it's not. My son is better than that. <laughs> I watched that commentary one time. Chicky made me watch that commentary. And literally, like, it, I mean, what has that been, years ago? Oh, yeah. And, like, I started that scene remember. and I was just laughing because, like, all yeah. I could remember was Nikolai's commentary and Michelle like defending Rob. <laughs> like, just... Yeah, and then really... Nikolai actually ends it by saying, "I can't believe it. That wasn't very kingly. Wow, seven... <laughs> that was seven seconds." <laughs> the scene though is freaking oh. long. Oh god! This... It... I all right. I have to say the one thing I really love is I love the whole. I love Michael McElhatton. His voice, oh, is so good. Um, and I do love the whole constant, like, cock-blocking thing that Talisa has going on there. But um, her scene, I timed it from the <laughs> point where she starts basically giving us her origin story or her time in Volantis. It's four minutes and 30 seconds. That's kind of yeah. long for this show. There's so much yeah, other things they could have been doing with that time. It's not just and long for the show. It and it's is... not very compelling, well, that's the thing for me. 
But may, presumably that is a story that's meant to kind of evoke a certain sympathy. It's meant to give Talisa some layers, give her some background. But to me, it just felt completely contrived. Yeah. Um, and I don't know, maybe it's because it wasn't my first watch for the podcast and I'd already heard it a few times, but I feel like I, I agree with you completely. I found it tedious and I, I'm not surprised you were timing it because I kept looking at the clock. Well, when are like, you going to be done now? Okay, yeah, 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 yeah okay. It, yeah. It just, I, and I didn't get, I don't think they timed it in, they tied it in well enough about like why she left and the slave city thing. And it was just, I've noticed because the actors I really like the scenes, they're always so short and I'm always so impressed. They do pack as much in, in a two minute scene, let's say, but when you have something like this, the whole scene, that's just her part. That doesn't include the lovemaking or the stuff with Ruth beforehand. That's just her talking. That's her monologue. That's four minutes and 30 seconds. I mean, that's a long time on this show. Yeah. I didn't yeah. realize it was that long, but I remember be- I mean, it was so boring. The scene is so boring. It felt longer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It felt like 84 years, you guys. Yeah. Okay, I feel like um, I have to be the voice of dissension. I actually don't mind this scene that much. I really don't. I mean, like, for what this relationship yeah, is. Yeah, but no, the point I mean, is, that like, bad. that that time could have been given to something else. Yeah, no, I get you. Like, like there's no, no, you don't need to establish her backstory or her origin story. No. Yeah, like, the story you think itself. She'd kill her next season. I mean, they didn't need to do it like that. I guess would be the thing. The, the issue. That's a the, lot. Yeah. The main and again, issue. that's just her monologue. That's not the yeah. whole scene. The whole scene is like six minutes. Yeah. Yeah. This. Yeah. I mean, if just her monologue is four and a half minutes, that's too long. I don't know. I don't hate this scene that much. That's so funny that I. That's don't. because, in retrospect, you're forgiving more of Talisa than you are. Maybe that's it. That's exactly what it is. Because during the <laughs> during the season, you were not this calm about. I that. didn't watch this live. Mm-hmm. I, I didn't even watch the stupid show until after the second season ended. So okay. I, don't, um, I don't know. Do you guys need to head off to family therapy or? This is normal. We're actually in agreement here. <laughs> this is what it sounds like when we agree. <laughs> yeah, we have a weird relationship. <laughs> um, so, yeah. Anyway, getting back to Rob's motivation for, uh, you know, getting getting the Balchik of Wows on. Uh, there's a, an inside the episode for this. Um, and I think it's Dan Weiss who says that what's happening here is this is Rob succumbing to what's going on around him in a certain way. Like he's seen how really how very few people really are adhering to the ideals he has of honour and loyalty. And, you know, there was a way Ned died. He's now seen his mother betray him and Theon. And it's all kind of come to a head. It's all become too much for him. Uh, and Dan actually relates it to Jamie's so many vows monologues that we saw in the last episode. You know, whatever you do, you're, you're forsaking one vow or the other. So, yeah, that's I guess that's a little insight into the way the writers are thinking. They're thinking that, as a, well, we've already mentioned, as opposed to what happens in the books where Rob's kind of in a vulnerable place for another reason. You know, he's injured, he's heard about his brother's dying. Here they're saying... He's kind of having his ideals shattered, a little bit like, I guess, Jamie did when he was, was a boy of about the same age. And this is this is why he kind of just breaks and decides, hey, I'm going to do something for me. I'm going to be selfish. I'm going to, you know. Well, that gonna... may have been their intent, but they fell short. Mm. Well, as, as they so often do. <laughs> 
Yeah, they, that didn't come across on screen. No, <laughs> to me, it honestly read as, man, you're hot. I don't want to marry that Frey girl. Let's get it on. Yeah, but I mean, if they had managed to pull it off on screen, that would have made the entire relationship mm-hmm. a lot more enjoyable. I don't know. Yeah. Like, well, I think if you bought the relationship, you would maybe buy the poor logic and yeah. poor choice with Rob. But they just didn't have enough chemistry to pull it off. Yeah. I will say yeah. it was gratifying that he removed quite a bit of clothing. Not as much as Not her, enough. Not enough. It was a nice change from the fully clothed, um, That's true. you know, the man being fully clothed, the woman being stark naked. Yeah. So. Yeah. Except like, I still don't think we got any n- any real nudity from Rob, whereas Talisa's fully naked. Yeah. Yeah. Ugh. Uh, well. All right. Shall we move on to uh, back to Arya? We yeah. we should. Um, Arya, Gendry, and Hot Pie walk through the gates at midnight as Joaquin promised. They escape here in Hall, realizing that the gate guards have all been killed. Yeah, it's yeah, a creepy I mean, scene. I like it. Yeah, I mean, there's not a huge amount to say. I think we've already kind of covered the divergence from Book and Show and how the whole weasel soup thing happens in the show. Yeah, and it's a in it's the book. A, it's a good scene to establish that in within the show that Arya is realizing that death is going to be a part of her life. I guess. Mm. Any other thoughts? We're good. Nope. Okay, we're gonna move on to Stannis. Stannis Baratheon's fleet is closing in on King's Landing and Stannis tells Davos that he admires him and offers him the hand of the king role once he takes his throne. Oh, this is such a I good love scene. this scene so much. Love, I love, love how Davos is like, my son wants me to change it, but I won't. <laughs> I love that, yeah, he's like taking back the onion. Yeah, exactly. I Reclaiming love that Davos it. is proud of of his heritage. You Me know? too. And yeah. I just love that Stannis in the like. I was telling Chicky earlier, like if you don't like Stannis after the scene, then you're never going to like Stannis. But it's like Stannis <laughs> is just like, yeah. oh no, I love that you stay true to who you are. Like you know, because yeah. Stannis is all about staying true to like honor and like what his duty is and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And so is Davos at this point. Yeah. So yeah, that's and, what really and, made this scene for me as well. It was. Kind of this nice little interplay that worked to humanise Stannis a little bit. I don't, you do find that a lot with his scenes with Davos, I think. You know, we, we get a little bit of the backstory about why, just why Stannis has so much resentment, um, you know, for Robert and about him giving Storms into Renly mm-hmm. rather than Stannis himself, you know. Uh, yeah, I, I really liked it. I think... Uh, Davos is kind of a necessary tool. Well, I don't want to say tool because I think he's amazing in his own right. I, I'm a huge Davos fan. But I think he is a necessary part of, of making Stannis just that little bit more human. Like we see that with his interactions with Davos most of all, I think. Well, this is... Yeah, um, well, I that's like, true. I, oh, sorry. Go ahead. No. Uh, uh, it's um, just like that's true for his... Like for Davos within the books and in the show it's like he's there to humanize Stannis and to make Stannis mm-hmm. a more likable character like that's his purpose mm-hmm. he's also he's every man he is the one of the few genuinely decent people out there mm-hmm. I think he he represents you know the good person who would not stand by and let things happen I think he's sort of like he, he's our stand-in he's our every man as I said I love this scene because Stannis gets, 
he's so funny in the books. He's got this very dry sense of humor, and most of his stuff in the show is very clipped, very small little bits, and he's almost humorless in the show. And here you get a sense that he really does have a sense of humor. Yeah, we um, get that little line about the dogs, don't we? How he likes them, but they ate them anyway. But I'm I so love glad they that, the, that. Yeah, me too. Oh, because this whole thing with the um, the siege, this is sort of what defined what crystallized. I mean, first of all, he and Robert watched their parents drown, which they don't really build into the show. Renly is a small child during the siege. It's it's Stannis. They're all starving to death, and it sort of crystallized who he was. And then after that, because he didn't hold, um, he didn't get to Dragonstone in time to stop uh, Rayella from leaving with uh, Viserys and um, uh, Danny. I mean, the sense is that Robert has punished him by giving him Dragonstone rather than Storm's End. And it's just such a beautiful scene. It's well acted um, by both actors. I, this, is, this is probably one of my favorite Stannis moments. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm. Stannis moment. Good Stannis moment. All right, we're gonna jump over to King's Landing if that's cool with y'all. Let's sure. do it. All right. So Joffrey is in full bravado, ready for his uncle Stannis to taste his steel. Oh gosh! Ah, <laughs> oh, the impetuousness of sociopathic youth. <laughs> and then Varys gives Tyrion some much-needed advice, and also news of Daenerys. Targaryen. I love this scene because it totally sets up what's happening next season. Like how Varys and is like, okay, yeah, we can be honest with each other. You go first, and then uh, after like <laughs> Tyrion kind of like gives in to him, and Varys is like, okay, here's what I know: there are dragons, and they're coming. And like Varys literally says, yeah, we've got a couple years to worry about it. So it's actually like proves that in season two they figured out that maybe the smartest thing to do would be to send Varys. Wait, 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 wait. You're saying that you think that they were actually setting up this whole thing of yeah, um, cutting that's... out the middleman and having Varys go Yeah, back. I think that's that what... they knew in season two oh, that they really? were going to do Aegon. Really? Oh, I wow. think they knew that they were going to do Aegon. That's giving and them a lot of credit. That is giving them a lot of credit. That's actually really funny because I was thinking, this, not thinking the same thing, but I was thinking, I was going to ask you guys, do you think at this stage that they were still planning for Aegon? But obviously, Jen, you don't think that they were. I think they were establishing because I think they knew early on that Varys and Tyrion had chemistry. They have a great, like this great, oh, you know, actors, back and forth. Yeah, the actors yeah. have this great back and forth, mm-hmm. and I think they realized that they couldn't have Varys off screen for an entire season because oh. Varys is a major player, and they've established that. Mm-hmm. So I think they knew in season two that they weren't going to do um, Aegon. Well, they would have just read Dance. Yeah, that's a, that's just it to, to doing season two. So. Yeah, you know, you might be right. Maybe they did. And, like, they, they would have had access on. to George and knowing that, that George wasn't going anywhere. I guarantee George didn't know at that okay, point. Okay, George. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you might be. Yeah, it's, an <laughs> interesting, it's an interesting uh, interesting theory, Jen. I think, it, I mean, you may be right. I almost want to rewatch it. No, and the scene is like so clear. And the way that they like, Varys makes it clear. He's like, oh, yeah, but we won't have to worry about that for a couple years. He is much more explicit about Danny than he ever is in the books. Ever is. That's true. That is true. I think that they read Mm. Dance and they were like, we're not having Aegon. Get him out of here. (laughs) Like, he's not (laughs) happening. And I think they knew they had to establish that. So I think that going into season four, we might see that conversation again in the previous lease. I mean, season five, sorry. Mm hmm. Oh, 
Oh, you know, well, that'll prove it if we do. I guess. If we do, yeah. yeah. Hmm. I don't know. That's scary. when I was rewatching. I was like, they knew. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's a really good point. All right. All right, we're gonna jump to Essos to see Danny. And um, Sejora advises Danny to leave her dragons and flee Karth. She insists she insists on attempting to reclaim them, and asks Sejora to lead her to the House of the Undying. Dun dun dun. Ian Glenn, take me now. Oh God, <laughs> I seriously got tingles in this. Scene. <laughs> I was like, Ian Glenn was. Oh, he was just doing his Ian Glenn thing of being amazing and emoting all over the place and making okay, me feel all the things. Time they could have put in the Jora Danny kiss, like. That oh my was God! I, I totally there. thought the same thing. Yeah. I was like, you know, he's. Oh God, he's just. What does he's he say? Until my last breath, I will yeah. remember. <laughs> After I've forgotten my mother's face. And I'm like, he's just so devoted to her and so passionate. Oh, God, you guys, just kiss. Just kiss. <laughs> Why put the kiss there? That is so weird. Like, that would have been the perfect place for it. Oh, man. Yeah. I don't know. You think? Why would they cast Maybe it was too accurate? early for... I yeah, I don't know. Spurs was supposed to be uglier. Yeah, Jorah is. He was meant. He's meant to be like bald and yeah, white and yeah, like like a bear. So it's like yeah, looking actor and never intend to go there. How dumb are you? Well, (laughs) Well, I agree. Clearly, (laughs) they they spent all their thinking on the Tyrion Varys scene, and by this point, they had yeah. Yeah, I gotta say, I didn't mind Amelia in the scene either. I think as. Mm-hmm. I think as per usual, usual, she does do some of her best acting opposite Ian Glenn. I think he should probably be in all her scenes. <laughs> oh, well, mm. good thing we're getting back this season. No yeah. Mm. Um, any more thoughts? Nope. Just kiss. Nope. Just kiss? Yes, just, just kiss. kiss. All right, we're going to jump back to Winterfell just for a little bitty scene with Dagmir and Theon. Dagmir tells Theon that after killing the orphans, he also murdered the farmer and his wife. Yeah, you know, it's interesting because Chicky and I were having a conversation about Theon the other day and how, <laughs> oh, hey, we're allowed to when Lot's not yeah. here, okay? We're allowed to. We've got cool Aunt, <laughs> e- cool Aunt Eon is in charge yes. right now. <laughs> anyway, um, Chicky was telling me that she thinks um, that Theon in the books is uh, kind of more confident in his interactions with people um, than Theon yeah. in the show, which I tend to agree with. Um, but what... The impression I get from doing the reread of Clash at the moment is that Theon's, I guess, self-doubt and his conflict is still there. Like, the uncertainty is still there. It's just more under the surface in book Theon because what, obviously, they're not showing really in the show is that Theon really is kind of haunted by all the bad stuff he's been doing. You know, in in the scene in the books just before Asher arrives at Winterfell, there's a little part where Theon is actually... Um, having a nightmare about all the the killing he's been doing, you know, including the two orphan boys who are the standards for Brandon Rickon, and it's it's quite harrowing to read. He he dreams that he's being chased by direwolves with the faces of the Stark kids, and he's he's running through the woods and he's apologising to them to all the people that he's murdered, and he's crying out for mercy in his sleep. So I think that in a way, having 
Elfie portray Theon as, I guess, a little bit less confident in his interactions, a little bit more uncertain overtly, that they're kind of bringing the the stuff, I guess, that's under the surface for Theon in the books. I think that's just mm. part of adaptation, that that's mm-hmm. hard to... I mean, one of the beautiful things with the books is that it's that POV structure that all of those characters are are somewhat unreliable narrators. And mm. I don't think it, it would be awfully hard, I think, for them to to portray that in the same way on the show that it's in the books. I, I think that's just, I don't know. Unless, yeah. of course, you cut down on, you know, four-minute scenes with... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, no, I mean, what I'm saying Forever is I think, they're doing, I think they're doing an incredible job. That's one thing that the writers are doing an incredible job with is, is adapting uh, Theon's storyline yeah. from the books. I think they're... It may be a, t- a little bit different, but they're actually retaining the essence of, of right. Theon's character. Yeah, mm. and Alfie Allen just... Oh, my God. ...completely sells Theon. Like, he just, like, seems to get the character... Yeah. so well that you would believe he's going through all these emotions. Yeah, yeah well, I, I think they're writing to his portrayal, which is probably a smart move. Yeah. Which, yeah. as you say, they're probably also doing to Lena as well for Cersei. Mm. I think they do tend to do that. Yeah, they do do that. All right, we have one, our final scene, where Meister Lewin spots Osha sneaking into the Winterfell crypts. He follows her inside, and she explains that after reaching the farm, she doubled back using a stream to mask their scent from the hounds. And Lewin urges her not to tell Bran and Rickon about the children Theon had murdered, but Bran is sitting up listening to them. Mm. Poor thing. Poor buddy. Yeah, it's a tough one to it's watch. It's a hard scene wait, to wait. watch. Bran and Rickon are alive? Plot <laughs> <laughs> <Not> twist. <laughs> Yeah, this is um, it's quite an early reveal actually for that little tidbit of information because I think it doesn't happen until the end or near the end of Clash. Um, And I don't have a huge issue with it. I think that it does in the books when the reveal happens, it lends a little more emotion to Lewin's subsequent death because um, he actually doesn't know the boys are alive as he's dying and he actually sees them. And he says, you know, I knew you were alive. Um, I'm not, I mean, I actually find his death scene in the show really touching. I just, I think that leaving the reveal until then would have perhaps made it just that little bit more poignant. But yeah, I mean, for me, not a huge issue. Well, it's mm. so clear in this episode that they're setting up, you know, everyone. This is the last episode for everybody but the, the King's Landing crew and, and the Stannis crew. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. and you kind of, you kind of, when you think of it that way, you can see how they're like, Finally, you know, they really want to get a lot mm-hmm. of those doors closed so yeah. that they can yeah. close out the action yeah. in episode 10. That, that is essentially what this episode is, really. It's kind of like not really tying up loose ends, but it is kind of, uh, I guess, the preparation for, for the Blackwater and, I guess, the end of the season. So, yeah, I think you're spot on. Mm. Okay. Well, do we have any new developments for season five news? And if so, would you like to discuss them? <laughs> I know Chicky's dying. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, we had um, an Entertainment Weekly um, article. I shouldn't say article. It was like a full-fledged spread. It was huge. It was a thesis. Yeah. yeah. It, was, it was a dissertation. <laughs> <laughs> There were a few interesting things in that article. Um, first of which, um, they talk about the fact that there will be three weddings 
Yeah. In season five. Um, Seriously? Yeah. 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 Well, we've got Danny and his dar, which is pretty, you know, right, right. pretty well. Tom and Marjorie. And Tom, and... Tom and Marjorie, yeah. And Ramsey and Sansa. <laughs> I think it's going to be Sansa out, and Ramsey. It's on oh, Get Hype. Or like alternatively, someone, it could be alternatively and Littlefinger. Oh, I don't know where we're discounting oh, that's, I'm not even oh, sure no, which God. is worse. It would be just like Littlefinger to oh, marry Sansa the creep. Like, he's such a oh, creep. He, she is. He's Kate as a North. Yeah. I, I really think it's going to be... I think they're going to do Sansa and um, Ramsay. I hate it. It uh, makes my skin crawl, but I think that's where they're going. I they think have it's... done nothing to build... I mean, they cast Fat Walda, but it's a very inexperienced actress. They haven't done anything with her other than give her one line. Um, I don't think the audience would find Miranda at all sympathetic, so they'd either have to have a brand new character for us to care about, which, again, you got to set that up, and they're not really good at doing that. Whereas we do care about Sansa. Theon would know her. And I think Theon has to have that redemptive act. And they love him. Those were, I mean, those showrunners love Alfie Allen. They love that character. They're not going to cheat him out of his jump or whatever they're going to do with it. And I think that's how they're going to do it. How they're going to well, make this work, I don't know. Because they she is so married to someone with, else. Yeah, they went so far with Theon last year with the torture that it does... I mean, you you would suspect they would do something to bring him back from that, uh, which would yeah. be saving Sansa. Well, I mean, I don't think there's any question that 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 Theon's going to get his his redemption in season five. I mean, that's probably. Do you think we'll have the ghost thing. of Winterfell? I don't know. Do they have time to do that? I don't think yeah, so. Do they have time? Yeah, I don't think they have time. Yeah. And it's like, is it Benjamin? We hope so. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I don't know. I don't know if they're going to have Sansa very Ramsey. I mean, there certainly are. Issues with that. I mean, I, I suppose they can try to um, hand wave stuff, but the biggest spoiler for season five that I love is that maybe Tormund doesn't die at hard home. Like that is the only thing I care about. Oh yeah, point. there were that, was that rumor going around that Tormund would die, and that's pretty much been well, he well, might maybe, die, but he could die at Hardhome. the wall. Yeah, he could die hard. anywhere. This is Game of Thrones. Yeah, that's true. Well. Okay, so getting back to the article, another big thing mm-hmm. from the article, and this, um, we pretty much knew this. Um, there is no Sandra Clegane in season five, but they won't yeah. confirm that he's dead. So he's we, not dead. Obviously, he's not dead. <laughs> he's on, he's on for season six. Yeah, I think they definitely are bringing him back, though. I mean, okay. it feels like I think I think even though he's alive in the books, they could just say he was dead on the show, but they're not doing that. So they could easily like. say he was dead. Mm-hmm. They could. So along with Sander, um, according to the author of the article, we are not getting any Stoneheart in season five. Oh well. Uh, which you know, most that. of us knew. Yeah. <laughs> We'd already come to grips with that. But we're also yeah. not getting no. any Bran, which is just crazy. Yeah, well, yeah. we knew that. But it's like I feel too. like in the books, Bran is going to be like this big part, mm. and so to not have him in the show for an entire season, like, what does that mean for the books? Well, I don't think it means much. I think they, I think they will probably do something to indicate Bran's presence. You because, think there's going to be like Ravens well, everywhere? Yes, because they've been doing this weird crappy promotion <laughs> with all these Raven site videos. And it's like the site is so related to Bran. And I, even though he's not in the season, I feel like they're going to indicate his presence somehow with werewoods or something. Um, yeah. I have a feeling. Uh, so anyway, I, 
No, I agree with you. I think that Bran is is far too important a character for them to just entirely neglect for an entire season. There has to be some sort of mention of him throughout the season. Hell, Bran's going to be a man by the time he he actually shows (laughs) up. He's going to be 45! (laughs) Maybe he'll have a better wig this time. Honestly... I think there's going to be a time jump between season five and season six. You, I, I would don't honestly think that. Do you? I do think so. I mean, not huge. Okay, maybe, but George but... never was able to manage a time jump. Okay, why do you but... think D and D will? I why? Well, I think it's different for a book than a yeah. show. I think it's Look probably easier. And he's more. <laughs> here's, I'll tell you quite frankly, they're not as concerned about logic as he is. Okay. Okay. <laughs> so <laughs> true. The season ends with. John stabbed. So what? John's just been in a coma for the time jump. I mean, don't wait. What? John gonna... gets stabbed. Someone's <laughs> gonna Spoilers. step out of the shower, and the whole season will have been a dream. No. Yeah. <laughs> I just for those of you been... old enough to remember Dallas. If only. If only it was only a dream. I have a feeling. I mean, it may be only like six I did months, not know you had this theory. Well. We're gonna need to talk we'll about see. this we'll season. See. <laughs> okay, There's so gonna like, be some hard words in the cheeky household yeah. after this. <laughs> Another thing from season three, or what am I saying? Season three from this article is that there is a hint of some John Melisandre. Uh, I mean, we kind of saw that coming from last season, didn't we? They definitely yeah, made they blue eyes at one another. Yeah. Yeah. Stay so, away from He me. likes he likes the redheads, you guys. Uh, I'm, I'm okay, I'm, so I'm like, whatever, it's fine. Wait, do we know for sure that they cut Alice? I mean, I think, I think they did. Oh, I think she, they it did. It saddens me because she's such a great character. She's such she a great is, character. She's a strong like, woman. Mm-hmm. And like, they cut Val. Well, well, we don't know. I mean, they've cast, they've actually cast an actress who I think may be a a Val in some way. I'm not entirely sure. Good, I hope so. We saw a little bit of her in the trailer. Yeah, we'll have to see. Yeah, why put her in the trailer? I hope that she's the Val stand in because not having a weird. Okay, so there's one last big thing from this Entertainment Weekly article, and it is kind of set particularly the Jamie and Brienne fandom into a little bit of a tailspin in the last week or so. Um, In the article, an actor is interviewed but not named who has been informed of a death scene that doesn't happen in the books and had actually, I think, just filmed it when they, when they did the the article or did the interview. I'm not sure. Um, And this is an actor who was surprised by this death of his character, or I should say his or her, because it was a little gender neutral. And, um, expected to have more of a role in season five and found out that their role was truncated. Wait, you and think that that's Jamie? Dead. No, I don't think so. No. I think that's uh, a lot of... Ian McElhenney. Yeah, I think I yeah, think, I think my take is yes, it's Ferris and Selmy. It's it's gonna be Ian McElhenney. I think but... outside of Tumblr, I think the majority of fandom thinks it's probably Barriston. Because mm-hmm. he seems the actor yeah. has actually read all the books. Mm-hmm. Um he did say, I believe, that he had not worked with Peter Dinklage and we do know that Peter Dinklage, well, Tyrion ends up with Danny because we've seen those stills. Mm-hmm. So that kind but of implies Barristan... to me that Barristan is going to buy it. Could be anything. Doesn't have yeah. to be. Oh, no, I mean... there's no way it's Jamie because Nikolai has yeah. known from the beginning what Jamie's arc is. And whenever or if he dies, he totally dies, guys. Sorry. <laughs> but like when yeah. he dies, whether it's like in the last book or whatever, it's like Nikolai has always seemed to know where Jamie's and is so he well, wouldn't have been he surprised. Has that in articles, yeah, it, I, I, I just don't see it 
being Jamie this season. It just doesn't make any sense yeah. to me. And Jamie's D&D. Like, what was that, Yon? I will. I was just saying maybe D and D know who is going to be cold in the next, you know, in the winds of winter because I know that George R. R. Martin did say that he was going to have a couple of the POV co- characters cut. They were going to die in the next book. Mm-hmm. So maybe they they know who's going to die. Yeah, well, I'm sure they do. They do know because they yeah they definitely know they definitely yeah. know who's going to die. I I think. And I mean, Barristan's an obvious. It's pretty obvious that Barristan can't make it to Westeros with Danny. He'd be too much of an asset. He's so. too ha- yeah, he's too much. He'd know to too much. Yeah. 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 No, he's for sure dying. Yeah, yeah, I think I'm pretty sure it's Barristan. I I don't think Jamie's gonna die in season five, guys. I really don't. What are you gonna do I... if he dies in season five? I'm serious. What are you guys gonna no, do? No, it would be an impulse. What does that mean about he's the next book? He's not gonna die. What about it about wins? No, no, it doesn't mean anything. Jamie, get out. <laughs> <laughs> I don't need these thoughts so early in the morning, okay? Hey, I'm likely facing Stannis' death, either in five or six, so, you think you know. Stannis is dying this season? I think it's six. I don't think it's this season. I don't think he's going to die this well, season. Well, I said no. five or six. I, I don't yeah. know. I mean, I think he's... Who knows? I've, I've sort of resigned myself to his, his demise at some point, uh. but... Dennis yeah. dying oh, is I mean, going to be terrible. He is going to Oh, God, I'm going to hate it. Let's face it, all the what? people comma loves dies. I mean, we've already got rid of yeah. Tywin. And we know Roose is going <laughs> <laughs> to... It's just going to be... They're all going to die in quick succession. Oh, God. Oh, yeah. Dan is dying is going to be so hard. Because then oh, it's like, what yeah. happens to Shireen? It's like, who cares about Solace? But it's like, poor Shireen, Shireen yeah. is just sad character. It's like, who on earth is going to take care of her? And it's like, maybe Davos? But is Davos no. going to survive the series? I don't think Davos survives either. My baby well, Shireen better make it out alive or I'm going to have to go see George. That's all I'm I saying. <laughs> <laughs> so, also, in the last week or so, there was a new um, video released. We've had a couple of shorter trailers that had little tiny clips of new stuff, but not much very interesting. But we did get an invitation to the set video when they do these every year. And it had a scene with Brienne um, fighting a dude. Mm-hmm. They're both horseback. We've kind of seen clips of this scene before, I think. But she breaks the dude's sword with her sword. Okay, so Valerian steel, so bitch. Well, it's obviously a made-up scene. She's fighting some Vale soldiers. Okay, I've got to say this is my theory. Okay, so put it out. Okay, well, this isn't about the sword. This is about her chopping wood, <laughs> or what looks like her chopping wood with her sword. Okay, this is my theory. You know how in Feast, uh, Brienne is in, oh, is it, I don't know if it's the Stinking Goose or one of the inns, and she hears people talking smack about the Kingslayer, and she gets really mad. Yeah, I think that's what happens in the show. She hears, <laughs> she hears someone talking smack about Jamie, just goes outside in a fit of rage and chops maybe, some wood. Maybe she found a pube in her her. <laughs> Like destroy that tavern, and that's part of that theme. I don't know, dude. She didn't seem to care that much about the pub in the in the book. Oh <laughs> she was like, let's just keep drinking. <laughs> oh god. Okay, so yeah. oh, also, anyway, let's let's do this. How about the? Uh... Oh, sorry, Chicky, go ahead. Also, this week, um. George R. R. Martin has been very active. I don't know yeah, if you guys have... Yeah, he's trolling like him. a trolling troll. He has been a uh, busy little pee on his not-a-blog. Um, yes. We've got a couple of little gems. Number one is that he's apparently wrestling with writing an episode for season six, and as I think most people know, he took season five off, did not write an episode, because he wanted to concentrate on writing The Winds of Winter. 
And mm-hmm. so everybody's kind of raising eyebrows at the fact that he's mulling over writing an episode for season six. Does this mean that he has time to do that now? Does it mean that wins might be nearing an, an, an end? Um, and then on top of that, uh, what was it that he said today? He posted a new blog entry, well, for me it was yesterday, that he said he's cleared his convention schedule to finish writing wins. Uh, yeah. The quote is, okay, he said a couple of things. He said, uh, I have too much to do, too many things on my plate, wins, I'm paraphrasing, foremost among them. And then he says, which really got people talking, should I complete and deliver Winds of Winter before these cons roll around, I reserve the right to change my mind. Mm. Yeah, which Not definitely like got the internet rolling. Mm. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, this is a man who promised that, that dance would be out a year after oh, feast. God. So, I mean, it's hard yes. to take anything very seriously. On the other hand, he has deliberately not given updates on the progress of Winds of Winter so that he wouldn't create that situation again. Yeah. So I I do I honestly do feel that to these things taken together, I feel like they're promising signs. I feel like he's probably on the home stretch with Winds now. 2019, you guys. <laughs> it's going to happen. Guys, 2019. It's on. <laughs> if he gets this next book out before season 6, I would be surprised. He's I think he's trolling. I think he might get it done. We'll see. I think he might. I think he might. Okay, so last thing, and this just squeaked in under the wire. Um, there was a new Entertainment Weekly um, article released today. And in it, Brian Cogman mentioned that winter oh, is Cogman. coming to mm. it to Westeros in season five, but only in the quote-unquote northern areas, which, yes. of course, as Brienne fans, all reminds us that we have seen this preview scene of Brienne in the snow. And so where does this mean that Brienne is? He isn't clear that it's the north um, is the only place he just says northern areas, but he's in the article, they actually say they're not sure if they're even going to have snow in King's Landing. Okay, yeah. so wait, Look, if, if Brienne is in the north, quote-unquote, where is she? she where is With she Sansa. going? Like, if she's mm-hmm. no, but no if she's knows. already left Sanza, like she's been fought yeah. off from the Vale, where is she going after that? No where one knows. Maybe no she, knows. maybe she goes to Winterfell anyway. But why? And she, it's like Jamie's to save Sansa. Doing? Well, it could be the wall. It could be that she's mm. if she gives up on the Sansa thing, she goes looking for Arya, thinking that she but might. But does have that left. sound like Brienne to give? No, yeah, it does more. actually. Though that is what she's thinking of doing in the books is going north. That is what she's thinking. She's about thinking about she going to, to the her. wall. Yeah. Oh yeah. Wait, in the books? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's at the end of Feast, like literally right at the end. She has the thought: Should I just get on the King's Road and head up through the Neck and get to Winterfell? And I think she thinks about the wall too. Um, she does. She is thinking Arya about going. Have gone to her brother mm. there. Yeah. I, yeah. Oh, that's right. I do remember her thinking. But she that knows Arya is alive yeah. at this point. So I, I mean, you know, it's not, it's not beyond canon. It, it just, it's like if, if she. <laughs> this whole forth, thing is beyond Jamie canon. Her first. I just want Brienne to meet Gendry, <laughs> and be like Renly. No. <laughs> it's funny they don't mention Gendry in that article, and I feel like yeah. it's been an easy ask. So it kind of makes me think maybe we will get Gendry. Well, this because that interview with Maisie, where Maisie's like, <laughs> yeah, um, she yeah. kind of hinted. At, she hinted. She was Joe Dempsey hint a little. Joe bit. Dempsey kind of yeah, he kind of hinted too. So maybe Gendry's like, Gendry's actually rowing his way to the wall. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. He was like that series, but that's over with, isn't it? Yeah. yeah, well, I mean, yeah. if, he's in, if he's in Got, it's like a scene. I mean, I'm sure somebody would have spotted him. Look, in, in, in relation to Jamie and Brienne being together, I honestly don't have a huge issue with Jamie perhaps meeting Brienne 
somewhere in the north after. I mean, I know he's in Dawn right now and I know this whole time travel thing we've got going on, but I don't see why they can't meet up after this, even if Brienne does go north. Especially because they have this time travel thing going on because these characters traverse thousands of miles in like a day. So even though, as Lot always says, that they are going the wrong way, it's entirely possible that Oh, he gets down to Dorne, and, you know, the next afternoon he'll be up at the wall. I guess They've the question would be why he would go to the wall. Yeah. Or why I don't he know, would think but she was there. Gendry or why go mm-hmm. to the north. No, Jamie. But, Jamie. but as you well, said, they're you know not what? that they concerned made... with logic. They no, made Jamie and Brienne's story a little bit different in the show than the books. They made their goodbye so romantic that I honestly wouldn't be surprised if Jamie hopped on a horse and rode up to to, to find her at the wall. That's just the thing, like with, with on his white horse. With 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 Jamie and Brienne, it's like having that goodbye be so meaningful, and to never ever have them be reunited. It's like it's mm-hmm. totally typical Game of Thrones and like George, but it's like. Why spend the time on that development? No, they clearly meant to reunite them. There's no question in season yeah. four they meant to reunite Yeah, I mean, honestly, the, the big issue for us is the fact that they essentially turned Jamie into a rapist. <laughs> now where that has us thinking. I after all the out, after all the out, after all the outcry about that, that they may be thinking that it's not the best idea to put Jamie mm. and Brienne back together because it was so so evident to me and to everyone that they were leading up to Jamie and Brienne getting together in some way. But I'm, I think season four may have thrown a spanner in the works. I don't know. They don't pay it's that always a concern to us. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. So, anyway, so... It's all the, I think that's all the news. Okay. I okay. think that's it. Well, it was good. Good news. All right. YD, do you have any thank yous or iTunes reviews. <laughs> yeah, Anything. We do, we do have a few. Um, we had a couple on uh, Jamie Brienne online. Uh, the first one is from Nehemiah. And she simply said, you need to adopt five or six ladies squawking about Game of Thrones as a tagline. Mm-hmm. Which I agree. I am looking into that. Totally agree. Uh, <laughs> the next one, also from Jamie Brown Online, is uh, from Wontkins. And he says, Slow your roll and admit there's no cure for being a cunt. This podcast is five or six very passionate and knowledgeable ladies discussing and dissecting Got and A Song of Ice and Fire in depth. One of them is Australian, another is from Canada. Also, Cockney would be Londoners in Britain, i.e. British. I have to stop there and just say he's actually referencing that review that we got last week. That, oh, yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. That re- referred to us as squawking ladies um, with Cockney accents, apparently. Uh, anyway, so... Oh, and several other international guest hosts. They often get enthusiastic and nerdy and laugh out loud, which always makes me smile. Even though I'm a dude, I still listen to it while I'm hitting the weights and getting swole. All of the stars. <laughs> that is a real oh, review that you guys got. No, no. Oh, Jen, Jen, is Jen not aware of the review that we got? Uh, no, week? I know about the first one. We got, oh, did I tell you about the yeah. chicken squawking? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so it's essentially is, our... a, a parody of that review. Yes, this oh, is a friend of the podcast. Oh, okay. Yeah, okay, I was like... <laughs> Jen is like, what is happening? Okay, okay. <laughs> Thanks, Watkins. Thank awesome. you, Watkins, and also Nehemiah. Yeah, and uh, thanks, we Nehemiah. have 
we have a couple also from Tumblr. Uh, the first one is from our sixth Beetle, Guile and Subterfuge. She <laughs> says, congrats on 50 episodes, guys. And thank you for letting me be a part of some of the infamous ones. Breaker of Chains, I'm side-eyeing you right now. <laughs> Speaking of. So thank you, Guile, and you know how much we love you. Oh, thank uh, you, Guile. Next one is from Via14LOL. Uh, yay, it's your 50th episode. Congratulations. Can't believe you guys are so old now. It's true. I feel it in my bones, Maya. Uh, she continues by saying, and now that the pleasantries are over, I can get to what bothered me last episode. What was up with that last reviewer? As Lot said, what an asshole. I, I truly believe if you have nothing nice to say, don't say anything at all. Uh-oh, uh-oh. Are... this podcast is in trouble then. We're disbanding. <laughs> we have to disband. Uh, you ladies are so nice and I love hearing your discussions about the latest episode every week. Keep up the good work. I love hearing your voices and giggles. And here's to 50 more. If I had diamonds, Eon, I would send them to you. Aww. Aww. And she also said, where's Comma? Um, yeah, we, we tend to take weeks off. We have kind of a rotating roster where we have a guest every week. And, yeah, so Comma's back, as you've heard. Yes, I'm um, here. She's like, I'm right here, baby. And lastly, I uh, just wanted to briefly mention on Twitter, uh, Iron Trone and also the Radio Westeros team, uh, sent out some tweets congratulating us on 50 episodes. So thank you so much, guys. Um, I should probably also mention we're actually going to be uh, <laughs> Radio Westeros's next ad slot in their next uh, episode, which I believe is focusing on Brienne. So if you guys want to check that out when it comes out, uh, enjoy. Yes, if you want to hear a Texan and an Australian walking on a beach, listen, take a listen. I'm sold. <laughs> That's all for our uh, thank you, Zion. All right. So if you do have any questions or comments, you can reach us at close the door and at gmail.com or close the door and come here on Tumblr. Or you can send us a review on iTunes. And um, lastly, I'd like to thank the lovely Jen for being a guest tonight. Yeah, it was nice you did, meeting you. Was yeah, yeah, you did so great, Jen. Really I've enjoyed having you on. I've been hearing about you guys for so long. It's nice to get to meet you, <laughs> quote unquote. <laughs> oh God. Okay. Oh, <laughs> like, oh, God. I just took like, never again. <laughs> never again. I would love it if you come back because I'm really Me too. hearing Thank this sibling. Yes, hearing this sibling rivalry right now. It's it's awesome. <laughs> it's giving <laughs> life. Nobody gets us. (laughs) All right. And I'd also just like to thank these lovely ladies also for doing such a great job tonight. And thank you for putting up for me for modding this podcast. Thank you for moderating, dude. dude. Yeah, you did great. Thank you. Well, well, that concludes our podcast for this evening. And um, thank you for listening. And um, stay tuned next week. Hopefully, Lot will be back. (laughs) (laughs) Bye, Bye, everyone. Bye. Bye.